Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to the Bless You Podcast. Connor, how you doing, friend? Dude, I'm doing wonderful. Monday is my second favorite day of the week. Wednesdays are my favorite because we have youth church that night. Plug. But I do love Mondays. It's a fresh start, so. It is a fresh start. Yeah, I would never say it about Sunday. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sunday is definitely not the fresh start. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, hey, we got a fun segment today. Today is our Just Friends segment. And yes, we, last week, had Melanie Slay on here, who just dropped bombs of the spirit the whole time. But man, Absolutely. we also have a sweet guest on today. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Uh, he's just a local powerhouse here in the Wenatchee Valley. Yeah, he is. He's tied in so many different uh, pockets of the valley, just doing ministry. And this guy is a guy that, he just walks in the room and you're like, whoa, that dude loves Jesus. So today yeah. we've got a special guest. Make some noise wherever you're at for our friend, Sean Arrington. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's a good day. Let's go. Let's What's go. Up, Stu, Welcome. I think uh, you should kick us off with an icebreaker. Yes, it is only right for us to kick off with our customary icebreaker. So for the table, I have the question, what would you guys regard as your least favorite smell? Like, what is, like, the worst smell to y'all? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, something that's going to make you gag. I think you have one in your head. Oh, I've got one in my head. I, I definitely have one in my head. Um, I, You know, I'm, I like to be more like a child, so not too long ago, I think a little over a year ago, I looked up on Amazon Fart Spray. Good. <laughs> and I actually have it in my office down at the lighthouse. Yeah. It's sitting on my desk. And every now and then, before <laughs> I have a meeting with somebody, I'll just kind of spray it out there in the room. And it really, really smells like how it's labeled. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Dude, well, growing up, you remember the garbage pail kids? Mm hmm. They used oh, to yeah. have the squeeze ones that would come with the like the vomit smell and oh. the you know the like rotten you know sock smell at the bottom of the trash can. Yeah. Like you could squeeze it and it would do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Think of the room. So that's your that's your least favorite smell. Ever. That is my least favorite smell. Every now and then I'll spray my friend's rose bush. Because, yeah. You know, they want to go out and smell the roses. Yeah. <laughs> so, are we talking, Stu? Are we talking consistent least favorite smell? Or are we talking like? A smell that scarred me. Oh, wow. That sounds like a story. So I'm going to go with the second one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'll do both. So most consistent, least favorite smell is changing my son's diapers. Like without a doubt. It Sandman. Is, it's just gross. It's disgusting. Um, it's Yeah, it's just a distinct smell. The second one is um, I was walking when I lived in India. I was walking by this like dirt lot and they had like four dumpsters that they were burning. Oh. With just like months, months of trash, probably like six, seven months of trash. They just pile wow. these things up. They dump them into a dirt lot and then they burn it. Dude, I have never, like when you say the word rancid, yeah, like times a thousand, I just remember walking by and it was right by where I was staying. Like they would do this like on the daily. It was disgusting, nice. dude. It was so bad. Um, that was pretty brutal. And it was like right by this canal of like, it was like a waste canal, essentially. Like Ooh. they don't have, you know, clean water system. So like people would like empty out there, you know, really, really like poor people don't have toilets that can flush. 
So they would like take their waist out and like throw it in this canal. So it was like coupled. Mm. Wow. It's hard to explain. The combination of all of the above things just really doesn't sound pleasant. It's super, <laughs> super appealing. <laughs> Stu, I feel like you have like a very particular one. I do. I do. My least favorite smell and taste of all time is it's what happens when you let a thing of mixed greens sit in your fridge for too long. Oh. Like when greens wilt, it like produces this really unique yeah, and yeah. disgusting, like there, revolting. There have definitely been a few times where I've pulled like the bag of spinach out that was like on the bottom yeah. and it, you like pull it out and there's like brown liquid. That no. comes from it. Ugh. Yep, that's ex- you <laughs> nailed it. That's you? what I'm talking about. Wait, you have tasted it. I have accent. Okay, so you know sometimes like <laughs> it looks good on the top, and then the bottom there's like a sneaky bunch of greens that are just oh. bad. Yeah, I had that in my salad one time. I ate it, and it was just like that ruined my day. Yeah, that's what it was. It. I believe it. Yeah, I like how yours mixed taste and smell. Like I know it, like, the whole next level. <laughs> I'm know? like, yeah, I'm incorporating all the senses. That's yeah, incredible. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Well, hey, we want a great question, by the Thank way. You. Thank you. For those of you that are listening, please think of yours. You could drop it in our comments <laughs> on our Instagram, bless.u.podcast. But uh, we want to dive into this. We want to hear a little bit about Sean and his story and just what the Lord's doing in his life. So, Sean, uh, tell us, give us just a, a glimpse. What do you do for work? Like you're, you're mixed in a bunch of different areas, but like tell us what you do. Yeah, so um, my main occupation is working with people that are experiencing homelessness, coming out of homelessness, um, being raised up into a discipleship mode into homes. So it's really street level up at all levels, as yeah. well as, you know, here at the church with people uh, coming out of recoveries and and just being healed of different afflictions in their life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So... In that sense, uh, where do you work? Where do you do those? Yeah, so I'm the executive director down at the Lighthouse. Okay. Uh, and, and in that ministry, there there's the soup kitchen, which is the main entry level for people that are homeless or just needing food, uh, needing ministered to. And then there's the shelter, the gospel house. And then there's the, the Grace House transitional home for women and children, the mission house for men and children, which is a group home level. The preschool, which is, you know, for three, four, and five-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and just the overseeing the food ministry. So there's lots of different levels there from street level up, as well as here at Sage Hills uh, doing redemption recovery on Thursday nights. Yeah. And so that's just people, you know, who are in any kind of habit or any kind of affliction and just needing freedom. Um, just a different style of church on Thursday nights. That's wonderful. And for those of you that don't know, Sean is doing an incredible job crushing it. Uh, the Lord just opened up a door and he stepped into it and was obedient in that, he and his wife, and uh, just doing incredible stuff, seeing great fruit from that. So, Yeah, I feel like those are two really unique jobs that <laughs> within the Capital Seed Church that are not super popular. So how did you, you get there? How did you become like a leader like in street ministry, but also in like redemption ministry? Well, you know, I I spent my life training. I I committed my all to uh, really uh, knowing how those systems operate, a lot of education, uh, but probably not like you're thinking. I just mostly spent the majority of my life really high and really homeless. And so um, (laughs) in that, you know, it was... um, 
I became qualified to understand where people are without the help of Jesus. Yeah. And then when somebody delivered the fullness of really the love of Jesus into my life, because I was also raised in the church and um, I really didn't like the church. Okay. Had problems with the church. Sure, um, yeah. But I obviously didn't have problems with what I was doing. But uh, somebody stepped into my life and really shared the Word of God with me, their love for the Word, and and Jesus, like, overflowing. And mm. so um, I suddenly began to look at anybody in that situation or any of those situations as, as it's a travesty. Like, whoa, that just should mm. not happen. Yeah, that's incredible. Oh. I love... You know, we we use it time and time again in the church, but I just love how you just like depicted that overflowing. And that, as we were kind of introducing you earlier, like that's the perfect word for you. I feel like that transpires like you have this walk with the Lord every day of your life that you're like fervently going in. You're responding to what he's calling you to. Um, you know, you're a great husband, great dad, like obviously running multiple ministries. And you can just see that that's not the performance. That's not the show. It's not like, hey, this is my job. Like that's your life. And then there's that overflowing into that. And I think yeah. that's why there's so much just fruit and overcoming and victory that we're seeing in those ministries, right? It's amazing. So one thing that comes to my mind really quickly is, as Stuart was saying, like those typically aren't the ministry that someone's like, yep, when I go to seminary, like that's what I want to do. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, I can only imagine, Sean, that in ministries like that, there's got to be some hardships. And, and not just like you're working with people that, you know, are, are in a, a cycle of life or are going through some things you know, maybe drug addiction or some type of habit, right, that has been detrimental in their lifestyle. But, like, talk about someone that you, like, I can only imagine there's people that you see victory, mm-hmm. and then there's this falling back. Yeah. And I, and I, what I've, I've had some friends in my life, you know, I've lost friends to, you know, drug overdose and, and drinking and driving and suicide and whatnot. But, like, you, like, I saw that it was kind of going down that path. Um, and a lot of times when I, you start to see that victory and then it kind of falls back, um, oftentimes it's like, it's a shot to my gut, my mm-hmm. core, not even from like, I'm sad, but like I'm feeling. So how do you, how do you do that? Yeah. So I, I think like even addressing it from at the same topic, but the other angle is, mm-hmm. is like really my self check system. Like if I can see people come in. Um, begin to go forward and fall back and it doesn't affect me, then I'm concerned with my condition. I'm like, okay, like if that doesn't break my heart, then, you know, if I'm just like, oh, well, maybe next time, then I know that something is off in me. And so, you know, it's it's good to have, um, you know, something that should break my heart regularly and when it does good, when it doesn't bad. And so those are the times where I need to get back into the place where I remember all that God's done for me, you know, where I was and how he retrieved me. But I also know to avoid the discouragement of seeing people bounce back and forth, back and forth. My discipler told me this. He goes, even if it's just for one, Sean, then it's worth it. And so there's just times where I sit back and I look out in the room, you know, sitting in the soup kitchen and you're just like, oh, is anybody getting it? Like, is anybody getting it? Because honestly, people that do get it, they get up and out of homelessness and they aren't always there to see anymore. So just sitting back and looking at one person in the room that's getting a victory or drawing close um, becomes so exciting. It becomes the point of a story that you just got to go forward. You got to drive on. And, and, you know, God, I think, automatically attaches our hearts to hope 
instead of hopelessness. And so one hope, you know, one hope in Jesus, one hope in a person drawing close to Jesus will immediately overflow into those other areas. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Dropping absolute bombs. (laughs) Let's go. I was unprepared this morning (laughs) for this wisdom. What would you say to the person who, I mean, I think living in the United States, especially homelessness is a, a really widespread issue across every state. And I think it's obvious as Christians that we're called to help the needy, help the poor. Mm-hmm. Like that is something that Jesus explicitly instructs us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it from personal experience, like I've walked in the streets and like, I've just been like devastated. Like, Oh man, like that makes me so sad that like a person is out here. Like what, what would you say to someone that's like walking around their heart breaks, but feels like they can't do anything to help? Yeah, so, um, you know, just speaking at, at it from the angle of Wenatchee, because it's different in different sure, towns, it's totally, different sure. in different um, environments, but just from the angle of Wenatchee, it's like God already has help going out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's easy to want to go and do something new, thinking, oh, nothing's being done. Yeah. But, you know, that I think, I know that when I think that I need to solve a problem and not acknowledge that God's already in motion, I, I sometimes find myself coming up against my own pride, wow. thinking that I can do something. And if I think I can do something, then I'm, I'm displacing God in that. So I always encourage people to look at what's already being done, um, see if that's something that you can agree with, much less partner with, and then get into. And then it's easier to improve something that's already happening or partner with something that's happening and yeah. then add to than to start all over. That's a great point. Wow. Can we just hang out all the time, please? <laughs> like, you can buy I the come coffee. Live with you or like, <laughs> my goodness, I could just sit and listen to you all day. That's incredible. And what I really love that you do, Sean, is I feel like so often where we get to inside of the church and what gives people looking from outside into the church, whether they're sitting in the congregation in the, you know, the seats every Sunday or they're, you know, they've been burned by the church. I feel like there's this sour taste in the mouth that it's this act, it's this performance. Mm -hmm. And I can just see so much of the light of Jesus in your life and the love that you've experienced with him that you're like, this is, this is for other people as well. Mm -hmm. And I need to do my, my part in sharing that love with Jesus um, to other people, but I just love the whole introspective part that you have so much wisdom in right now. Um, and I feel like that's got to come from years of experience and not even just like, oh, I've been doing ministry for 45 years, right? Like, but there's, there's encounters and experiences, uh, of Jesus that have taken place. So run us through, like, what did your life look like before you met Jesus? Give us a rundown. Where were you born? What was the experience? You said hi and homeless earlier, like, (laughs) And and so this kind of led you into where you're at now, God opening this door and saying, you're you're the perfect person for this, Sean. Yeah. Um, so give us a rundown. What did your life look like? Yeah, so I was born in Nelsburg, you know, smaller smaller town, community. Yeah. Uh, moved over to Sela, which is right outside of Yakima. Everybody's mm. heard of Yakima yeah. across Yakima. the whole country. That's right. Um, but right outside of Yakima with my parents, uh, had an older sister. My sister... Um, loved the church, was all into like teaching, you know, Sunday school, you mm-hmm. know, not hanging out with the wrong crowd, everything. My parents would bring us to church every Sunday. It was just something that we did, and they, they um, stressed the importance of that. Um, but as I grew up in the church, I really began to highly dislike the church because I remember my first memories of church, yeah, hanging out in the pews 
when I was little. But beyond that, my first lasting impressions were my dad going to board meetings and coming home angry. My dad going to prayer meetings and coming home angry. The, really? the, the politics, the disagreements, the things. And, and I would see my dad leave our family time and then come home upset and it would affect yeah. our family time. So I just decided at a young age that I really don't like that church thing. And so what else is there out there? My parents expect church out of me. So what else is there out there? And that began to spark this like super high level of rebellion, like going through the dare class in sixth grade, them talking about what drugs are and having people sign contracts to not do them. And I remember signing my contract going, this is a lie. I can't wait to try all these things. And so, you know, as soon as those things were near me, I I put those things in me, um, which ended up, you know, in in homelessness at 15 because my parents gave me the choice, honor God, stay at home, or don't follow the rules and you need to leave this house. And I was like, awesome. My parents just gave me permission to leave. (laughs) And I I remember saying to my mom, like, mom, I just want to go try all the drugs there are out there and then I'll be back when that's done, which is that's just still so heavy on my heart, you know, and I remember my mom's reaction and, and that just, that breaks my heart today. And, and but I, I did that, but praise God, um, praise God, I did make it back. I went through five treatment stays, um, you know, had uh, two treatment stays before I was done with high school, um, had my daughter when I was, you know, 20 years old, and then just became a, a really, um, like I was somewhat present. Yeah. I was definitely present, but and I would make my daughter safe generally, but I didn't connect with her. I didn't have that relationship of wanting her heart. I just made sure her body was safe. Is she safe? Is she in a zone where she's okay? Okay. You know, but, um, and then eventually it just got so bad, the drug use that I knew I couldn't even be around her. I couldn't let her see me that way. I lost my ability to speak, couldn't stand still. Um, became filled with so many paranoid delusions that I checked myself into treatment the fifth time thinking, okay, I can't see my daughter. I have restraining orders. I have prison time I'm looking at. Um, I have warrants, all of these things. And into the treatment stay, I signed up for a nine-month one, and they began to check on these things, and they eventually realized none of these things are real. These aren't even real no things. Kidding. They're, they're imagined. Um, so I just completely lost my grip on reality. So I thought, you know, I need to go to Wenatchee. It's the only town I've ever been in where I haven't gotten high. Wow. And and that was God just saying, wow. go, go. And I reached out to the one person I knew here, um, and he goes, well, you know, I'm I'm doing things differently now. I'm a pastor. And I just came here, and God began to overflow me. So within 24 hours, I was down at what was going to be the lighthouse, and the founder was praying for me. And and he bought me tacos every day, so I came back every day, and I realized the huge advantage wow. that food gives to ministry. But I just look back on it. Even um, yesterday morning, I was thinking, like, I want the goal of making people fall in love with the body of Christ, because that's part of Jesus. Yeah, praise the Lord. Because I was younger, and, and seeing what wasn't of God in the church um, made me want to go to anything but the church. Yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine that, you know, and I feel like that's such a, that's such a common thing, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like that's such a common thing, um, inside of the church. And, and, and here's the thing, like the Lord is unifying, mm-hmm. right. Um, but then I also, I also, and I, I do believe people inside of the church, as far as, you know, ministry, pastoral ministry leaders inside of the church, like there is this call to live above reproach. There is this call that like, although it might not be something um, that is sinful or defiling, like 
we should we should not engage in that because it's it's not good for the body mm-hmm. the rest of the body to see or um and so from that standpoint like i feel like a lot of people they'll forget that like mm-hmm. there's human beings that have differing opinions that have differing views and there's still this ability in christ's love to unify even where there is difference mm-hmm. um but that's so hard to see a lot of times and for someone who only sees that that one perspective of like, man, my dad's coming home just like heated and yeah. it's the result of this church. Like, I totally understand, mm-hmm. I totally get that. It, it's got me to a place where when I come home, you know, because we all experience every, every every area of our life or church or whatever it is, there's something that sometimes can be displeasing. And, and I know that's definitely not God, but God's fixing those things and repairing and restoring those things. But when I come home, I, I find it my purpose at home with my ministry in the Holy Spirit to my family is to come home and speak all those good things that I saw Amen. that day. Don't focus on the the one thing that maybe has my emotions snagged, but the thing that has my heart and to talk those good things out in front of my children, in front of my wife, so that at the end of the day, like God is absolutely like calling people into his body, yeah. even those that are already there. And, and just to make sure that that repetition doesn't happen anymore, that frustration is not a view that comes out of the church body yeah yeah so much wisdom wow i am so glad that we are having this conversation (laughs) (laughs) i'm learning right now i'm like come on i know i I wish i had my journal and taking notes right now yeah i know Um, a podcast you can subscribe to oh yeah (laughs) the bless you podcast let's go (laughs) self plug (laughs) well yeah the body is a a really important thing the church body is really important that it's unified um and i think something that i've experienced is like a lot of students especially who are in the church body, they do all the things. They like they go to youth group, they go to church, they read their Bible, they pray, um, they like check every box, but they're still in these cycles of sin, whether that's depression or anxiety or whatever. Um, and as someone who has spoken testimony to tons of, I mean like night and day change, what would you say to that Christian that's like trying all these things, but is like still like stuck in cycles? You know, I have a certain process that I always walk people through. It's the same process I walk myself through on, yeah. a, on a daily basis is, um, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. So what are we putting in our hearts? So like what's in my eye, what's in my ear, and most importantly, what's in my mouth being that that recycles into your ears and into my heart yeah. and your heart. And so um, the first thing I always have is like people... Please, let's start this pattern of being in God's Word, like first thing in the morning, and and don't read it inside. Read it outside. Read it aloud. Change the environment. Wow. Have it land back in your ears so that you're seeing it in your eyes. You're saying it in your mouth. It's landing in your ears, recycling in your heart. So I see that as like this filtration system. It's like a dialysis system for my heart. It's just filtering, 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 filtering. And when that happens in the morning, I'm going to be saying it by afternoon. And then I finish yeah. my day that way. Um, but also it's like the deliberate declarations of God's word over my life, because mm. I know that if I just walk around and I say, hey, man, I'm depressed. Yeah, those are facts. Maybe I'm feeling depressed. Maybe yeah. I'm, uh, you know, been diagnosed as an addict or bipolar. And I've, I've had like seven different diagnoses and all of those diagnoses fell away when I disagreed with them as facts and wanted the truth instead. So it's like, I have wow. a list on my phone of deliberate declarations all backed by the word of God, not yeah. just imagined in my once. 
and I declare them over my life on my way to work, on Come my on. way home, before I Dude. enter my home, when I park in the driveway at home. Yeah. And I, you know, I started it three years ago. I realized I need a bunch of new ones because I don't have any of them that haven't fully manifested. So if like somebody comes to me and they're experiencing depression, I say that may be a fact, but the truth is you're not designed that. So start saying this depression is being defeated. You better mm. preach right now, dog. And, and just Ooh. go through those things because if I'm not disagreeing yeah. with it in my mouth, yeah, then I'm agreeing with it in my mouth. And if yeah. I just walk around and people are like, ten people are like, how are you doing today? I'm like, well, I'm kind of depressed. Yep. But I haven't stated truth above that fact. Yeah. Then I will continue to be more depressed because I have just released a condition over my heart yeah. that agrees with the um, the state that God hasn't agreed for me. Dang. I wish everybody in the world could listen to this podcast episode <laughs> because I feel like that's something we're falling prey to. Yeah. I feel like we're falling prey to that, and I feel like we're falling prey to that inside of the church too. Mm -hmm. It's like I totally get the concept of embracing these emotions that the Lord created us with, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like lamenting, focusing on the price that was paid in Jesus's bloodshed for where we're called to walk into. And like that, that's a free gift for us with a really, really heavy price and an eternal price mm -hmm. that took place, right? Um, but not only that, like, I feel like, you know, it's like, it's trendy to go and post how depressed you are on Instagram mm -hmm. or like how broken you are. And it's like, dude, there's so much victory at the end of that, that the Lord has given you, uh, you know, the ability and the authority to walk over. The enemy wants you to focus on that depression. The enemy wants you to focus on that addiction, right? And it's like, no, no, no. Like this might be a fact, but what's the truth? Yeah. That Christ has called me into, yeah. that he died on the cross for. Yeah. Absolutely. I look at James and he talks about the tongue and it's a small thing and yeah, it nope. can be so wicked and it can, it, with a little spark, it can burn a whole forest down. Yeah. Or it also says it's like a rudder and it, and it can set a course for a very large ship. Yeah. And so, you know, I want to burn the things down that, that come from that place of burning and I want to set a course for my life. So, you know, if it's addiction, if it's depression, if it's a divorce, I want to burn those things down. And so I just say, those things are ending in my life, and that's yeah. a spark enough that it'll burn that whole forest down. And then too many things have grown into forests in my life that shouldn't be, yeah. because I, I see some things that need to be restarted. And um, if I'm not then also setting the course, though, then I'm never going to get to the place where God has called me to be. And so it's that daily course setting. How many times do you see like some ship out at the shore that's left unattended, where there's no one at the helm, and it actually reaches? You know, yeah. it Immediately, as soon as somebody left, let's go, or it's not going to be steered the right way, then it's going to circle. Right. And, and, and I just know I did that for way too long. And there's not yep. a single person that I meet with, um, with an issue that's not already been circling. And as soon as they begin these things, usually they, I don't even need to see them again, <laughs> you know, yeah. other than them reaching out and being like testimony. Praise yeah. the Lord. Praise and that is Lord. a wonderful piece of wisdom to end on. I know you have a deep, deep well of encouragement and, knowledge to share with our listeners but i just want to say thank you so much sean for being on the podcast and spending this half hour with us this morning you are such a delight to talk to and the lord is using you in very obvious and incredible ways um Wonderful. and to all our listeners thank you so much for tuning in to this um, just friends segment of the podcast we love you all so much and with that we're headed out before we head out sean tell us how we can get plugged into the lighthouse <laughs>
Mm. Yeah, Someone people. In Wenatchee. It's it's uh it's easy to do. You go to WenatcheeLighthouse.org. We have a brand new website up and running right now, and there's two buttons there. It says get involved or get help. So whoever hey. you are and whatever it is, you know, do one of those, and uh, you know, you can pop in on Thursday nights too if you're not quite uh, comfortable with a homeless level and receive the same kind of care here at Sage Hills on Thursday nights as you would also on Sunday. Amazing, Sean. Thank you so much. Stuart, as usual, love doing this with you, man. You're a blessing to not just me, but to our listeners. Amen. For those of you that want to get more information, hop on to our Instagram, bless.u.podcast. We'll be posting there frequently. And by the way, Stuart, happy birthday. Oh, let's go. Happy birthday. Wow. I'll be turning 20. Let's go. Let's go. You kind man. Thank you so much. Before anyone else. (laughs) <laughs> tries to embarrass me we're signing off thank you so much for tuning in love you guys so much see you next time